Thank you for joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. Creative Church, y'all doing well? Hey, if that clap was for me, that's good enough. But now can you celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Can, can you act like God is in this place? Like this is an atmosphere of miracles. Hear me. God is here. The Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he will be also. And hear me, God didn't just go up to church because he likes to be at church. If God showed up, it's because he's here to heal our bodies, to bring miracles, signs, and wonders. How many people believe that this is your moment of miracles, that, that God is going to meet you here? He's going to speak to you and move you forward. I am honored. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't tell you how excited I am to be here. Um, go ahead. Grab your seat. Grab Grab your seat. Grab your seat. I may have you stand up in a second, but I am I'm pumped, pumped, pumped. I've been at different locations today, and to see all that God is doing through Creative Church is blowing my mind. There's a passage in the Bible when the Queen of Sheba came and examined all that Solomon had built, his temple, and all that other kind of stuff, and she said something that I'm saying about this church. She said, I have heard about the expanse of what God has done, but now I've seen it and it has far exceeded anything that I've ever heard. I don't know if you know this, but people are talking about creative church all across this nation. Churches are learning from you. They're inspired by your faith. And I've heard about you for years, but now being here, it has exceeded anything that I have ever heard. And it's because of the phenomenal leadership that God has given you and your pastors, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Joanne. Can you do me a favor? Can you thank God? Can you honor God? for the leaders that he's given you. You're clapping a golf clap because you don't know how lucky you are. You don't understand. People don't get to walk into churches like this all across this city and all across this nation. You are a blessed people. And I'm not going to belabor this, but here's what you have in your pastors. You have visionaries. And, and I'm going home after this service so I could, be, I could be shady. Not all leaders are built the same. You have what I call Moses leaders and you have what I call Joshua leaders. Moses leaders, I'm going to get in trouble, but that's okay. We family already. You ain't going to tell me. <laughs> Moses leaders are the type of leaders that can lead people out of, but they cannot lead them into. Joshua type of leaders are leaders that can lead people into. And I'm so glad that you're out of sin and you're out of depression and you're out of poverty and you're out of setback. But Jesus did not just die on the cross to take you out of. He died on the cross that you can go into life and life more abundantly. And I'm not even going to lie. I'm sitting down and I'm hearing about the ranch and the mobile ultrasound and this. And, and I'm like, I have never been around a pastor that has as much vision as your pastor does. Hear me. That is an anointing and that anointing will get on you if you receive it. 
Maybe you're new at Creative Church. Here's what happens when you come to a church like this. You walk in and you start looking at your spouse and you start saying things like, our marriage is good, but I think it can be that much better. You start looking at your kids and you're like, I'm grateful for my kids, but I think God has so much more for them. I'm, I'm grateful for my job, but I think God has something. You, you Just being here, your vision gets stretched and you start believing more from God for your life because you're around pastors that are believing more from God for their church and for your life. So here's what I'm saying. Lean in to the anointing of this house. Don't just take it for granted. Don't you dare settle for where your life is right now because then you're an atmosphere of vision and God will take you to places that you never even knew to pray for. Amen. Are y'all ready for God's word? I'm ready to preach. Go ahead, grab your Bible, turn to the book of John, John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse 19. And as you turn there, I want to show you why I am more blessed than you are. And um, I know blessing is not a competition, but I'm a second born. So everything in my life is a competition. And I am more blessed than you are because my family is better looking than yours is. And I know that's ignorant as well. But as soon as you see them, you're going to say, I'm not telling a lie. Y'all have a picture of my beautiful family. Do they got it? If they got it, they're going to throw it up. If not, you can just take my word for it. Just trust the preacher. Look at that. Come on now. Are you kidding me? I told you I'm not lying. <laughs> Sitting next to me is our beautiful wife. Her name is Zai. She's the best thing that's happened to me this side of planet Earth. I say she is my African queen because she hails from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Sitting on my lap is my oldest girl. Her name is Zoe. She is five years old. Her rapper name is Zozo because we're hood, so we gave all our kids rapper names. And then sitting on my wife's lap is my son, Roman. He is my twin. Pray for him. He is not a Christian right now, but he will accept Jesus one day. His rapper name is Roro. And then we had a long pandemic and had nothing else to do, so we made another kid. Our youngest is Jade Mariah. Do you have that picture up there? Look at that girl. Y'all saying awe because she looks like an angel. She looks like an angel, but she acts like a fallen angel. About 3 a.m. in the morning, she's yelling, screaming, all this other type of stuff. We're praying for her salvation as well. But I'm telling you, I am so happy today because all my kids are in Maryland and I am here. Which means I had the best sleep last night you could ever imagine. So... He's like, why is he so crunk? Well, because my kids aren't here, so I'm fitting to preach for four hours if you don't mind. <laughs> Eight people just ran for the door. The young lady that said, yes, she was lying, but it's all right. We're going to have a good one. All right, let's preach. John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse 19. If you're ready, somebody say, yeah. yeah. Here we go. It says this. Then the same day at evening... Because of being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, can you read this with me together? Say, peace be with you. Come on, say that one time. Say, peace. Peace be with you. Then he said, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said it to them again. He was so nice. He said it twice. He said, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Y'all know I'm a little bit ignorant. If you don't know it, you're going to know it in a few minutes. I just have random questions. 
what did Jesus' breath smell like? You ever thought about that? Like, you can't be the creator of heaven and earth and have halitosis. Like, it had to have been the most minty phrase. He said, he breathed. Come on, just breathe out. Just says he breathed on him and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Goes on to say, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven of them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, that you're in this place, and it sounds like a bold statement, but you said wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there will you be. God, there's more than two people in this room, which means you're here, and you're here to heal bodies, to open eyes, to impart vision and hope and truth. And God, we preemptively make the decision that when you speak, we will obey. Have your way in our hearts. God bless the Vikings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I'm a Ravens fan, but y'all in a different division, so I got no beef with y'all. Uh, uh, before I get to the, to the meat of my message, w- would it be okay if I prophesied over you? Now, now, now if, if I do, you, you, can't, you can't respond with skepticism, and, and I promise you it's not made up. You, you, you got to lean in as if I want this for my life. Somebody say amen. amen. And, and I'll prove it biblically in a second, and I mean this with all my heart. I believe that the church of the living God the global church, the American church, creative church, somebody say, I am the church. And your life is getting ready to walk into a season of supernatural breakthrough, of open doors. I believe that within the next 12 months, you're going to be looking at something that you did not even know to pray for. It was above and beyond anything that you knew to ask, think, or imagine. I believe Creative Church is getting ready to step into a season of revival. When you see more people coming to Jesus in the next five years than in the first 18 up to this moment. I believe God is getting ready to supernaturally expand your business, restore relationships that you have given up on. I believe we are getting ready to walk into a season of miracles that we have never seen up to this point in our lives. Now about 30% of the room is like, oh, amen. Preach that, Chris Rock. I receive it. About 70% of y'all are like, huh, that's easy to say. I mean, you call that prophecy? That wasn't even from God. I mean, that's just Bible. So, I mean, I'm not impressed at all. How do you know that's going to happen? Well, well, can I prove to you how I know it's going to happen? And, and I'm not trying to be ignorant, but I am a little ignorant. I know it's going to happen because I read my Bible. And every time I read my Bible, I see this pattern. Think about the book of Job. Satan came to God and he said, the only reason why Job is blessing you, the only reason why Job is loving you is because you've blessed Job. His life is so good. If his life wasn't so good, he would curse you. God says, no, 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 I trust Job. Job's faith is not based on his bank account. You can take everything that Job has and he will still bless me. And the enemy comes in and he he takes his children. He takes his business. Job goes through all this trauma. Do you remember what Job Job said? He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Is there anybody in here that your faith in God is not dictated by the reality or the events of your life, but you are mature enough to know that God is good even if life is not? So here it is. Job loses everything. And when Satan is done, God is like, are you finished now? Okay, watch this. 
And God blesses Job double for all of the trouble that he's been through. Everything the enemy stole, God gave Job double that. Matter of fact, he had seven times the amount of children that he had lost and possessions. And here's the pattern that I see. That God will actually allow the enemy to come in first. The Bible says like a flood. And he says, oh, you think you can mess with my people? You give it your best shot. And then when you're done, watch my response on the other end. You don't need to be prophetic to know that this panoramic that we all just survived was the enemy's best shot. We have not seen anything like this in our entire generation. And because we know that the enemy attacked the church and tried to divide our nation and every single person over the last 24 months, I know that God has a response that is coming on the end of this. And his response is going to be the kingdom of God moving forward. Doors opening and revival taking place in our generation. If you believe it, somebody say amen. We are getting ready to walk into a season of revival. And I I don't know why I'm feeling it this service. You're not going to find that revival watching the news. If you get caught up in the news, you're going to, oh, we're getting ready to go into a recession. And this is going, the housing market's about to crash. And this is about to happen. And that's about to happen. What you got to realize is that applies to the world, but I'm not of the world. So it doesn't apply to me. This is not my home. My identity is from the kingdom of heaven. I don't live by the rules of this land. This country can go into a recession and I could still be blessed because I ain't from around here. We're getting ready to walk into a season of open doors. Somebody say open doors. doors. Now that I've done all that, I want to preach the exact opposite. (laughs) I want to preach a message today called the blessings of a closed door. Because I absolutely believe that we're getting ready to walk into an open door season in our life. But here's what I've discovered. Until I've experienced closed doors, I'm not really grateful for an open door. As long as I've never seen a door closed in my life, I take open doors for granted. It's not until I look sickness in the face that I'm grateful for the healing of God. It's not until I've experienced lack and not having enough that I'm grateful for the overabundance of God. It's not until I've experienced anxiety and heartache and pain that I'm grateful for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I don't like closed doors. But I've discovered that closed doors prepare me for the open doors that God has in my life. Growing up, my dad uh, was a pastor of actually the church that I pastor right now, but he also owned his own business on the side. He had a medical courier company where he had drivers all over the state of Maryland. They would go to different doctor's offices and they would pick up medical specimens, blood, uh, blood samples, bone marrow transplants, all this other kind of stuff. And they would take it to the lab and, and have it tested. And as you can imagine, it was extremely time sensitive. And, and some of the procedures to get these samples were extremely painful. So it was a very sensitive uh, business. When I turned 16 and I got my driver's license, my dad hired me as one of his drivers. I was the youngest driver by like 20 years, but that's just the perks of being the boss's kid. 
Some people didn't think I deserved the job, and I didn't, but guess what? I didn't care at all. I said, listen, my daddy writes your paycheck, so I don't really have to listen to you whatsoever. I'm here, and you can't get rid of me. I wasn't that humble back then. I don't know if I'm that humble right now anyway, but <laughs> I, I, I would drive around for my dad, spend five hours in the day uh, in my car a day going from doctor's office to doctor's office to doctor's office, and sometimes I would get to a doctor's office, and they wouldn't be ready with the samples. They, they'd still be packaging them up and say, hey, if you could come back in 15 minutes, we'll be all ready for you. Maybe go out, go sit in your car or whatever. Maybe come back in 15 minutes, and in 15 minutes, everything will be ready. But remember, I was 16. Somebody say 16. 16. So when I heard come back in 15 minutes, I have the gift of interpretation. What I interpreted was go to the mall, get a cheesesteak, go to GameStop, play about three games of Madden, and then come back later. That's what my 16-year-old mind heard. They said, come back in 15 minutes. I said, come back in an hour and a half. So I'd be in GameStop. I'm in like my third game of Madden. I've completely forgot everything about the clock. Next thing you know, my phone would ring. It'd be my dad. Hey, I'm here at the drop-off. Where are you? Are you close? Oh, I'll be right there. I'd hang up the phone, drop the controller, run through them all, drive like Jehu across the parking lot. I'd run to that doctor's office. For the first few weeks, I'd come back. The doors are locked. The lights are off. The office is closed. When they said 15, they meant 15. Remember the first few times this happened, I got on the phone, I called my dad and said, hey, the doctor's office is closed. I'll come back tomorrow and pick it up. He said, tomorrow? What do you mean tomorrow? Don't you understand there's a three-hour shelf life on that specimen? If you don't pick it up today, they have to do that test again. That's an extremely painful test. And if they have to do that test again, we will lose this contract. And what you have to understand is it's not just one doctor's office, but this doctor's office is connected to seven other offices that we service. If we lose this one, we're going to lose the entire practice. Stephen, get in there. Click. That was the end of the conversation. Now, before I told this story, I asked my dad for permission. I also talked to some police officers in Maryland to make sure it's still safe to tell this story. And they do tell me that the statute of limitations has passed, so I can now tell this story. And I, I'd be lying to tell you that I'm not proud of this, but I have broken into more doctor's offices than you could ever imagine in your life. I have picked more locks. I have bribed more cleaning men and cleaning women. I've brought more donuts for more security guards. There are probably wanted posters in Maryland with my face on it in the medical community. If you see this joker, don't let him in. And it was in that season of my life that I learned that a closed door is not the end of the story, but the beginning of a decision. Every time I encounter a closed door, I have a decision to make. Am I going to surrender to this moment or am I going to figure it out? And here's what breaks my heart. There are so many followers of God. There are so many believers that have surrendered to the closed door seasons of your life. You've surrendered to sickness. You've surrendered to broken relationships. You've surrendered to poverty. You've surrendered to anxiety and depression and fear. And hear me, Jesus did not die on the cross for you to surrender. He died on the cross that you may have life and life more abundantly. 
I believe what God sent me to do is to prepare you as a church for the doors that he's getting ready to open for you. But you cannot be prepared if you don't know how to deal with setback, with disappointment, with closed doors in your life. I have just three quick thoughts, three points. It's only going to take me about three hours to preach them. But if you, if you could write this down, I don't know if your pastor's ever told you this, but you are 78% more likely to make it into heaven if you take notes in church. So I'd, I'd advise you to take notes. I'm just trying to help you out. I want to give you the best shot you possibly can make. You may not know this statistic, but 84% of all statistics are made up. So you can take that any way that you want. But the first thing is this, not all closed doors are the same. You have to understand when you get to a season of life where it feels like life is stalled out, where you're not making progress, where, where it seems like the answer to your prayer is a no. Just because a door is closed doesn't mean every scenario or situation is the same. Here's what we do. Every time life doesn't progress the way that we want it to progress, we say it's God's will. We say, well, I prayed and God said no. It must be that God doesn't want that for me. This must not be what God has for me. Hear me. Just because a door is closed doesn't mean that God closed it. In this passage that we're reading in John chapter 20, we find the disciples locked in a room out of fear. This was the lowest moment to their faith. They had thrown away everything that Jesus had ever taught them. Just a little detour. Anybody grateful that your life is not canonized in Scripture for billions of people to read? Anybody grateful that your worst days and your biggest mistakes are not recorded for everybody else to learn from? I am so grateful that I'm not a disciple and you don't know my worst days. But this was their worst day. And sometimes we can read things in the Bible. I, I say it this way. We read the Bible wrong. We read the Bible like Christians instead of humans. Well, what, how, how does a Christian read the Bible? A Christian reads the Bible knowing how the story ends. And if you know how the story ends, you don't have any compassion for the person that's in the middle of the story. Oh, why are you locked in a room? Don't you know Jesus is about to raise from the dead and walk through the wall and hold the keys of hell, death, and the grave? Why y'all, why y'all crying? It's going to be all right. They didn't know that. They didn't have the book of John. They were the book of John. All they knew is that they had walked away from family businesses. They had given up on inheritances. They, they had walked away from relationships for this Jew who said that he was the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They'd given all that they had to follow him, and then they watched him be murdered on a cross like a criminal and breathe his last breath. And all they could think of is if Jesus was killed and he's the best that we had, they're coming for us next. And because of fear, they ran into this room. They closed the door and they bolted it shut. I've discovered not all closed doors in my life are because of God. Some closed doors in my life are my response to trauma. Without even realizing it, some of us have been through extremely painful seasons of life. And our response to those seasons was to lock our hearts away from ever being in that position again. Maybe you find yourself where you went through a divorce even 10 years ago. And you may not be able to say it verbally, but in your heart, you made an internal vow that I will never let somebody that close again, that they can hurt me in that way. 
And without even realizing that you've built walls around your heart, you've locked yourself in. Maybe you experienced abuse as a child. Maybe you took all of your life savings and put it into a business that thrived for a season. You had employees and the next thing you know, you found yourself filing for bankruptcy and the business was gone. And without even realizing it, you made a decision. I am never going to take that type of risk again. Maybe you left the job and you went to a better one. You got a promotion, but it didn't work out and you you got yourself fired. And next thing you know, you said, I am never stepping out on faith again. Without even realizing it, we can lock our hearts away as a reaction to pain and trauma that we've been through. You would not believe how many people can walk into church with a smile on their face and a lock on their heart. You know, people walk into church and we look all churchy and all that kind of stuff. And we know how to do church. Church is one of the biggest places of lies you could ever imagine in your life. People walk in, oh my goodness, I am too blessed to be stressed. (laughs) You liar. Based on them shopping bags you got under your eyelids, you look pretty stressed right now. Hey girl, how you doing? Girl, I'm telling you, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. I know God is good, but I didn't ask you how God is. I asked you how you are. And we have the church facade. Some of y'all spent hours putting your church face on this morning. Just so you could. But inside, you haven't moved past that trauma of eight years ago. Here's what the Bible says in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It says, beloved, my brothers, my sisters, I love you, and I pray that you may prosper. Somebody say prosper. prosper. said, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, I don't know what kind of background you have. Some of you grew up in church. Some of you didn't. For some church folks, the word prosper triggers you. As soon as you hear prosper, you think prosperity. You're like, oh gosh, Beamer, Benz, and Bentleys. He's about to take an offering. So glad I left my wallet in the car. You ain't about to get me today, Chris Rock looking preacher. I've seen people like you coming. I ain't going out like that. Hear me. The word prosper or prosperity is not synonymous with wealth, with possessions, with Beamers, Benz, and Bentleys. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not what the word means. The word prosper in the original text means this, to move forward. All prosper means is to move forward. Here's what John was saying. I pray that you may move forward in every single area of your life. God says, here's my prayer for you, that your marriage is better this year than it was last year. My prayer is that your faith is stronger this year than it was last year, that your finances are more secure this year than it was last year. God's prayer is that you would prosper in every single area of your life. But here's what John said. Your life will only progress according to the health of your heart. So if your heart is not healthy, your life will stall out. But if your heart is healthy, every area of your life will move forward. And here's the thing. So many of us, we're blaming God for the fact that doors are not opening up in our lives. God, I feel like I'm stuck in my relationships, in my faith, in my career. Nothing seems to move forward. And God is saying nothing outside of you will move forward until something inside of you changes. Oh, you're not going to like me. That's all right. I'm going home to my family after this. 
what's going on out here in my life is dictated by what's going on here in my heart. And so often I'm trying to fix things out here and God says, forget about out there. You fix in here. And if you fix in here, all of that will fall into place. So here it is, just like the disciples, we find ourselves having locked a door, sitting in a room of fear, afraid of experiencing that trauma again. And hear me, as they were locked in that room, Jesus steps through the wall. He's right in the midst of their pain. And he says, peace be unto you. Now, we've been together long enough that you guys know me. I know you. You know I'm crazy. So let me just explain to you how crazy I am. Every time I read the Bible, I don't just read it. I ask my Bible's questions. And I ask my Bible crazy questions. So I'm reading this passage and I'm like, Jesus, I got a question. Why are you extra? Why you got to walk through the wall? Like, we know you're the Messiah. Why you got to be all supernatural and stuff? Why can't you just be normal and walk through a door like a normal person would? Why, why you go, peace be unto you? Like, bro, that's a lot. Like, pray for me. Y'all know I'm crazy. But as I'm reading this, I'm like, he's never walked through the wall anywhere else in Scripture. Why? Why did he walk through the wall this time? And I feel like the Holy Spirit said to me, Stephen, how do you know I wasn't knocking at the door? Maybe walking through the wall wasn't my first choice. It was my last resort. And I was knocking at the door and they just didn't open it. How many people love God's word? Next... Hear me, every problem that you have, every question that you have asked is answered in God's word. The Holy Spirit laid on my heart, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says this. It says, look, I have been standing at the door and I am constantly knocking. The Bible says that Jesus is knocking on your door like that annoying door dasher that didn't read your note to leave my food at the door. I ain't coming. I ain't open the door. Just leave. It says he was knocking at the door. He said, I'm constantly. And he says, if anyone hears me calling and he said, open the door, I want to come in. I want to fellowship with him and he with me. Here's what I believe. I believe that before Jesus walked through the wall, he knocked on the door. But because the disciples were paralyzed in fear, they mistook the knock of peace, thinking it was the knock of destruction. They thought it was the Jews coming to arrest them and to kill them like they had killed Jesus, not understanding that it was the Prince of Peace that was looking to step in and bring hope and peace to the greatest pain of their life. Here's what I know. There's people in this room that you love God. You're, you're going from glory to glory to glory. You're living a prosperous life. There's people in this room right now watching online that you have locked your heart away from Jesus. Some of y'all aren't here because you want to be. You're here because you have to be. Your spouse said, if you want to live in peace, you're going to come to church with me on Sunday. <laughs> and you're just like, I'll suffer for an hour and a half just so I can have some peace during the week. So you're here, but you don't want to be here. Some, some of y'all teenagers are here because your mama told you if you don't come to church, you don't get to eat. And you're like, oh, I'll go to church, take an hour and a half nap. It's worth eating. Some of y'all let your kids make a decision of where they're going to church. I don't know what you new parents be doing. I grew up in a day where my dad was like, you don't have to go to church with me. You also don't have to live in my house. You decide. You, you can pick where you want to live, but just understand, if you live in here, you... some of you would be honest. You're in church, but your heart's not open to Jesus. Some of you, your heart has been open to religion for over a decade. You've never been open to a relationship with Jesus, and here's why. You mistook Jesus' 
intentions. You think he wants to step into your life to control you. You think he wants to step into your life to rebuke. How could you? How, how could you leave me up on that cross just hanging? How, how could you live that? You think he's disgusted with you and you don't understand that he is madly in love with you. He doesn't want to step into your life to control you, to take from you or to rebuke you. He wants to step in to say, peace. Why are you dealing with that anxiety, that fear, the pressure of life being up to you and you alone? God said, will you let me in and to breathe peace in your life? Not all closed doors are because God's closed them. Some of them is our response to trauma. The second thought is this. Some closed doors are a setup. Now, if I'm going to be biblically correct, I have to give you the balance of God's word. Some closed doors are because we close them. Other closed doors are because God closed them. Don't get it twisted. God does say no. There are certain things that we have asked of God and God said, nope, not now. It's not happening. And he has closed the door in our face. There are certain times where we feel stuck, where we're not able to move forward. And it is because of God. You ever been in a situation where you tried everything you know how to try and nothing's working? You, you, you done called everybody. You, you went through your whole Rolodex. You, 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 you paid everybody. You, and not, you just can't seem to catch a break to save your life. It may be because God has closed the door. And then that's the time we don't like when the Bible says when God closes the door, no man can open it, including you. And I'm not going to talk about you. I'm just going to talk about Stephen. When, when life doesn't go my way, I am the king of a pity party. I mean, I call it prayer, but what it really is is just complaining. God, why didn't you give us that land? And God, why didn't this open? Why did this person walk out of my life? And why this and why that? And without even realizing, we just have this mopey moment of God's forgotten about me and God's not blessing me and I don't know what's going wrong. Maybe there's sin in my life. And here's what you have to understand. Whenever God closes a door in your life, if God ever says no, the only reason he ever says no is because he has something so much greater for you. The only reason God would say no to a prayer is because your prayer is too small, too insignificant. He's like, don't you know, I have something that's above and beyond anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. If you are in a closed door season of your life, it is only because God is preparing you for your miracle or he is preparing your miracle for you. There's something in the Bible called kairos that speaks of time. Chronos speaks of our natural time, one hour, two hour, one month, two years, or whatever, maybe. Kairos is not physical time, it's supernatural time. Here's what kairos is. It's a divine collision. It's that moment when the will of God meets right smack dab with the purpose he's placed inside of you. And God is saying, if I haven't opened the door yet, it's because I'm waiting for the supernatural moment where that miracle is ready for all that I have placed inside of you. And here's our job, not to complain, not to cry, but to prepare for when the door opens. Now, my wife's not here, so I could talk trash about her, and I'll trust that you guys won't tell her whatsoever. You look like honest people, and y'all probably want to text her right now. Anyway, <laughs> me and my wife, when we were dating, it's probably about 10 years ago. I lived in the suburb of Baltimore. She lived right outside of D.C. It was an hour commute every time I wanted to go out on a date. 
Y'all know she was fine if I was willing to drive an hour to pick her up. Now, the first four times or so that I went to pick her up for a date, something happened, and you're going to judge me, but that's okay. God's forgiven me since. That made me start to lie to her. First four times, I'd give her a call. Hey, I'm going to take you out. Be ready at 7 o'clock. Somebody say 7 o'clock. I wasn't speaking in tongues. I was speaking in English. There was no need for interpretation. It was quite simple. 7 o'clock, not 7.05, not 7.10, not 6.59, 7 o'clock. I would drive an hour, I'd leave my house at 6 o'clock, I'd get to her house at 7 o'clock, I'd ring the doorbell, and I knew I was in trouble when her mother opened the door. Her mother opened the door, she said, hey, Stephen, Zai's not quite ready, come on in and sit down. So I come in, I sit down, 7 turns into 7.10, then 7.15 and 7.30. I have now talked to her mom and learned more about her mom than I ever wanted to know. I know everything there is to know about her sister. Her cousins grilled me. I felt like I was in the doctor getting one of them tests you get as a man when you're over 40 years old. I'm like, if y'all ask me one more question, <laughs> pray for me. I'm crazy. And I'm like, I said, seven. Why is it 745 and you're still not ready? And then she would get mad when I took her to TGI Fridays. She's like, you're cheap. I said, I'm not cheap, I'm late. I had a reservation at 7.15 at Ruth Chris, but you see, you weren't ready at 7.15 and they didn't let me reschedule. So this is the only place I could get last minute. Hear what I'm saying, that there's going to be a moment when God opens a door of opportunity for you, but it's going to be a small window. And if you're not ready when the door is open, you're going to miss your God opportunity. And if I spend all my time crying and complaining instead of preparing when the door opens, I'm going to miss my moment. Another reason why doors don't open is because my moment is not ready for me. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm prayed up. I'm mature. I'm, I'm structured. I'm ready. It's just not. A, hear me. If you're ready and the moment's not ready, you don't want to walk through that door. So the, Bible says, the Bible says God has put gifts inside of you that are going to bring you before influential people. You may not realize this, but you are the answer to somebody's problem. God currently has a problem or somebody currently has a problem here on earth and God has made you the answer to that person's problem. Here's the problem. Most people don't turn to God first. So that person who has that problem, they are currently trying to network their way out of that problem. They're trying to pay their way out of that problem. They're trying to think their way out of that problem. And if God were to send you now, they would overlook you. And God says, no, 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 no. You just wait until they're good and desperate. And when I send you right when they're good and desperate, you are going to be the exact answer to the prayer that they've been praying. You won't even have to interview for the job. They're going to be so desperate to have you. You won't even have to fill out the application when your timing and your moment is right. God is saying, if you would just wait for me to open the door at the right time, it will be better than you have ever thought to pray for now, this is a little detour, but do you mind if we have just a little praise break? And can I tell you why we're going to praise in a moment? It does not take much faith to thank God for open doors. Anybody can praise God for a new job, for a raise, for a relationship being healed. It takes faith to be mature enough to praise God for the closed doors in our past. But is anybody mature enough to thank God for the no's of your life? Anybody mature enough to thank God for what he did not answer? Come on. Don't look at me that way. 
anybody ever been dating somebody that you wish you had married at the moment and it didn't work out and now you look back and you're thanking your lucky stars it did not work out because they're broke, they're busted, they're ugly and you're grateful that you didn't end up on that train. Anybody grateful that you didn't get that job that you wanted and now looking back, that job would have made you miserable and God has opened up something better for you. I just saw some husband elbow his wife saying, you glad you ain't married that joker, aren't you? (laughs) It takes maturity to look at a no and to have that no inspire you. That it just means that more is coming for me. It's in those closed door seasons that God is preparing me for the destiny that I have. You remember me saying I was driving for my dad five hours a day for seven years of my life. I was a little bit weird at the time. I'm weird now too, but it's a different kind of weird. (laughs) Back when I was in my car for five hours a day, I was weird enough that I didn't listen to music. I didn't listen to podcasts. For some reason, I only listened to preaching. And it was really weird because I didn't even want to be a preacher. My dad was a pastor. I was like, I don't want to deal with that. People are crazy. I don't want to be a pastor. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to be a tither. That was my plan. I'm just going to be rich and I'm going to tithe. But for some reason, I was drawn to preaching. And for five hours a day, for seven years of my life, I actually calculated on the drive over here, over 9,000 hours of preaching I downloaded in my heart from 16 to 23. Now people can't figure me out. They're like, you look like you're 12 but you preach like you're 60. I just can't, what is this going on? It's because, <laughs> it's because in my invisible season when nobody knew who I was, nobody cared who I was, I was behind a closed door and I wasn't even mature enough to know what I was doing, but God was preparing me in that moment that fast forward when I did have a microphone, I now had something to say. Don't get caught in a position that when God opens the door for you, you have nothing to say because you spent those closed door seasons crying instead of preparing. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But when you pray, somebody say, when you pray. Pastor talked about this last week. He said, God assumes that you pray. I mean, duh, you talk to people you have a relationship with. God expects us to talk to him because we love him. He said, when you pray, here's how you pray. Go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw myself under the bus so I don't have to talk about you people. And if you people could climb under that bus with me, it'd be great. We good? All right. Here's how I pray. God says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. I don't really close my door. I crack my door. So when I'm praying, I'm praying like this. God, I'm believing for breakthrough. (laughs) Breakthrough. Breakthrough. And then when that doesn't work, I bring out my Pentecostal prayer. God, I'm praying for breakthrough. You got to start bucking when you're Pentecostal because that makes your prayers more powerful. I'm like, break. Come on, try it. Say breakthrough. (laughs) Breakthrough. Breakthrough. And here's what I learned. That me looking for the answer to my prayer cancels my faith. Because the Bible says we live by faith. Faith, not by sight. 
And as long as I'm looking for the answer, I'm not really believing that God's going to do it no matter what I see. And it's in those closed door season of my life that I learn it doesn't matter what it looks like out there. I know who my God is. He is not like man. He cannot lie. If he promised it, it will come to pass. It's in those closed door seasons of our life that God teaches us how to live by faith. Maybe you're single like, Pastor, I don't see any options. That must mean God has your option in his hand. Pastor, I don't see any opportunity for my business. It must mean that God has that opportunity in his hand. And I have to learn how not to live based on what I see, but live based on what he said. Last thing is this. We're going to land this plane. We're going to let the piano person come out and start playing. That really means we're ending a message. So here we go. Third thing is this. Write this down. Don't you dare, and don't you dare is not in the notes, but I got to put dare in there. Don't you dare get close to, get used to closed doors. Don't you dare get used to closed doors in your life. Here's what you have to understand. Yes, there is sometimes that we close doors because of trauma and God can heal us. Somebody say amen. There are times where God closes doors because he's preparing us for something. But hear me, a closed door is a season. It is not a sentence. There's a blunt anointing in this uh, church. Do you mind if I get really direct with you? Don't get used to losing. Some people have been losing so long in their life that they don't even know what it's like to win anymore. What, what, Pastor, you can't call people a loser. I just did, but it's okay. I'm going home. <laughs> What's a loser? Someone who has taken a season of setback and built their identity around it and have made a decision that my life will never progress past this setback. Hear me, you may have a season where things aren't going your way, where you're not progressing, prospering, and doors are not opening, but it is a season. This is my first time in Minnesota, so I don't know how this state works. Y'all have seasons here? Yeah. It, it just seems cold right now. I just <laughs> In Maryland, where I come from, we have four different seasons. We have summer, we have spring, we have fall, we have winter. Not in that order. I did get, go to school, but not right now. Anyway, and when winter comes, we don't trash our summer clothes. You may pack them away and put them in the den, but you don't trash them because you know at some point winter is going to come to an end. And when it comes to an end, I'm going to need my summer clothes again because the seasons are going to change. Hear me. Just because doors are closed in your life right now, just because things aren't progressing the way that you want them to progress, don't you dare trash your faith. Don't trash your expectation. Don't trash that vision that God has given you. This closed door is a season, not a sentence. In Acts chapter 12, the disciples found themselves in a season where they were being persecuted. The Roman government, they took a man by the name of James, they arrested him and they chopped his head off. My, my children are, are in Christian school back in Maryland, which is not something that I really thought I would value until they started coming home telling Bible stories. And I just got excited about them learning God's word. The only thing is my three-year-old, the only stories he remembers are the decapitations in Bible. Every time I pick this kid up, he's like, Daddy, guess what? I said, what, Roman? He said, John the Baptist got his head chopped off. And I'm like, what are they teaching you in school? What, whatever happened to Mary and, you know, Moses? We're talking about decapitations. Well, James was one of those decapitations. 
They arrested him. They cut his head off. And when the government saw that they got political favor by persecuting the church, which is not new, they said, hey, we can run with this. So they arrested Peter and threw him in the prison, getting ready to cut his head off. Now, when Peter got arrested, the church began to pray for Peter to be delivered. Now, it's just a little detour. If I were James, I'm dead in heaven, I'd be ticked off. Oh, when Peter gets arrested, y'all now want to decide to pray. But when I get arrested, ain't nobody got a prayer for nobody. Are you kidding me? This, this is what. Understand when the church stops praying, pain enters our world. So Peter gets arrested. The church starts crying out to God. They meet at somebody's house and they begin to pray. And in response to their prayer, God sends an angel to deliver Peter. The Bible says in Acts chapter 12 that the angel comes to Peter and wakes him up. That's a different message for a different day. I don't have Peter type of faith. Can you imagine the night before your execution and your sleep? If I'm about to get killed tomorrow, I'm not asleep. I'm trying to pick the locks. I'm trying to bribe my guard. I'm crying out to God. I'm trying. I mean, Paul and Silas, they got the prison to shake with praise. I'm praising. I'm doing something. Peter was asleep. So the angel comes, he wakes Peter up, his shackles fell off, he, all the doors open, he takes Peter out of the prison, and he takes Peter to the exact door where their prayer meeting was going on. They get to the door, Peter knocks on the door. Remember, they are praying for Peter's deliverance. Peter has been delivered. He knocks on the door, and there was an attendant, her name was Rhoda. Peter knocks. She opens the door. Oh my gosh, it's Peter. and slams the door in his face. The exact miracle that they were praying for literally knocked on their door and they closed the door on their miracle. Why? Because they were praying with no expectation. They had gotten used to closed doors. They had gotten used to losing. They had gotten used to setbacks. Don't you dare get used to a closed door. I know you've experienced some setback. I know you've heard some no's. I know some doors have not happened over yet. But hear me, it's a season, not a sentence. And I believe that God is looking for people that say, God, I'm not going to kick this door in. But, oh, I'm going to be ready on the other side of this door. And the second this door opens up, I'm stepping through. And by the way, when I step through the door, I'm going to be grateful, but I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not going to, oh, I didn't see this coming. No, I did see this coming because he promised it. He said he's going to open doors that no man can shut. He said I'm going to be the head and not the tail. He said he's going to bring me before great men. So I'm grateful to be here, but I am not surprised. Because I saw this coming. Hear me, if you're not serving on a team at this church, you need to start serving. If you're not giving at this church, you need to start giving. If you're not attending on a weekly basis, you need to start attending on a weekly basis. Why? Because there is a revival that is coming to Creative Church. And when it comes, it's going to be too late for you to get ready. You got to be ready now. Because what God is getting ready to bring to you is above and beyond anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. If you believe it, can you take about 60 seconds? Can you bless God? Can you thank him? Can you honor him? Can you magnify him? God, we worship you. We're grateful. It doesn't matter what we see. We're going to live based on what you have said. Hey, can I pray for you? 
Father God, we are grateful that you are the God of open doors. I don't care what year it is. I don't care what other people say. I don't care what our enemy has for us. God, when you open a door, no man can shut it. God, I pray that you would help us to properly steward the closed door season of our lives. And not to have a pity party, but to prepare for the miracle that you have coming. Hey, right where you're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this message personal to you. It's amazing to me how God will take one message and divide it up for a thousand different people. For some of you, God's encouraging you, saying, hey, this season of closed doors is getting ready to come to an end. For some of you, God is saying it's time to stop crying and it's time to start preparing. But for some of you, it's not God who's closed the door. It's you who've closed the door. Because of trauma, because of fear, because of misunderstanding God's intention in your life. Today, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking, he's asking, will you open up for me? I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to rebuke you. I'm here to bring peace that surpasses all understanding. If you're watching online or if you're in the room and you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor, I can't say that I've ever opened my heart up to Jesus. Or maybe I did until that loss of that loved one or that setback or that trauma. Maybe you've opened your heart to church, but you've never opened your heart to Jesus. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm tired of doing this myself. I need that peace that you're talking about. This is your moment. Jesus is here right now ready to step into your life. All you have to do is invite him in. If that's you, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for wanting me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all my sin, all my mistakes can be erased. Today, right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.